is really kind of cool that I went from from just graduating school to directing. Uh, I think it was like 12, 30 minute ESPN shows. And th- that's really cool. I think the thing overall, the most that I'm most proud of is fr- the movie Froning. Uh, Froning, the fittest man in history. There was a lot of kind of uphill battles at CrossFit and, and dealing with the heads of CrossFit to try and get that thing made. Like they loved the idea of making a YouTube video, but making an actual movie, like it was something that they weren't like necessarily on board with to start with. Um, but I knew going into it that I wanted this to be respected as a film and, and not just a YouTube video. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao. Today, I'm talking to Heber Cannon, one of the most prolific filmmakers in fitness. Heber first made a name for himself in the fitness space as a film director for CrossFit HQ. While at CrossFit, Heber filmed, directed, and edited many of the documentaries that helped build mass market awareness of CrossFit as a sport, and he was a constant sight at the CrossFit Games, often sprinting right alongside the athletes in order to capture footage that made audiences around the globe feel like they were part of the action. CrossFit consolidated much of their media branch in late 2018, and Heber was one of the employees whose position was terminated. Since then, he's continued making waves in fitness. Today, he's one half of the Buttery Bros, a duo of filmmakers chronicling their experiences and travels with some of the world's fittest and strongest athletes. In today's episode, we talk about Heber's career and experiences capturing the scenes so many of us have come to love. We also discuss his time at CrossFit, his reaction to changes at CrossFit HQ and being let go, and what the future holds for him as a filmmaker. And just a note, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Every month, we give away a full box of Barbend swag to one of our listeners who leaves a rating and review. Heber Cannon, a man of many travels and many talents. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's it's a real honor to catch you uh, at a point where you're not just constantly in motion right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you caught me in between waves, I guess. <laughs> what what are you coming from and what are you heading to? Where are we talking to you right now? And, and what's next on your schedule as we kind of ramp back up into the 2020 season? I am here in Salt Lake City, Utah. I just got back from Hawaii about five days ago, and tonight I'm catching a red-eye flight to Aruba. Wow. Okay. So is that a normal is that a normal cadence of travel for he for Heber Cannon? Uh, I mean, going from Hawaii to Aruba is not a normal cadence, I think, for anybody. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a normal time frame of travel typically for the last few months has been something to that effect where I'll be home for five or six days and then gone for uh, anywhere from three to five is what I, we try to do these new shows under. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, for those of you who are listening and don't necessarily know who Heber Cannon is, you've definitely seen his work and you've heard his work and a lot of our experiences as consumers of fitness media over the past five, six, seven years, we'll go into that in just a second, have come through his lens and his mind. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved in fitness and how your media career has evolved a little bit through that. 
Oh, I like to always say that it's been, you know, a combination of two things. My favorite types of movies growing up were like Rocky. And there was this movie called that followed, what was the movie called about Billy Mills, mom? My, my mom's here with me now. And I used to watch this movie about a professional uh, marathon runner named Billy Mills, but I forget the name of the movie, but I love the movie. So I love movies and I love fitness. And, and luckily I was able to make a career out of making like Rocky training montages. <laughs> It's it's every aspiring filmmaker's dream. You're not from Philadelphia originally, are you? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> You're one of the fitness industry's, I would say, most innovative storytellers, especially over the last half decade or so. When did you first get involved with CrossFit and how did that – was it a job first or was it something you were passionate about first before you were doing it professionally and doing media – professionally in that regard? So I had owned my own video production company. I had uh, aspirations to go to uh, Hollywood and make big blockbuster movies. Like that was the goal. Um, I had just gotten out of school and I had been doing CrossFit for fun. I had been uh, going to my local gym. I loved it. I actually paid for my membership by making videos for the affiliate which was kind of cool. And then CrossFit had gotten a hold of some of the videos I had made. And I had gotten to know at the time, Chris Spieler, Tommy Hackenbrook, and Miranda Oldroyd were all here within about 30 minutes where I lived. And I was friends with all of them. And I said to CrossFit, like, hey, I would love to follow these guys throughout the 2010 season as they got ready for the CrossFit Games. This is the end of 2009. Um, They immediately responded to my email uh, within an hour or within like five minutes. I had a phone call set up the next day that lasted four hours. And a week later, I was doing contract work for CrossFit for all of 2010. So they, they went from not being a client at all to becoming my biggest client almost overnight. And then at the end of 2010, throughout all of 2010, they were just begging me to move to Santa Cruz. And finally, I moved down there. And my first role with them was to help them create a pilot, uh, create the new show, The Update Show, which ran for the entire nine years that I was there, nine to ten years. And then um, the pilot for ESPN. So we, we got CrossFit onto ESPN. And then my next role there was to direct the ESPN live shows and then the post-production shows that they do in the fall. Your work at CrossFit HQ, we, we see the products of it and it seems like it flowed so easily, but you were creating a lot of these media properties from the ground up. We, we took the update show for granted, I think, for many years. It's just something that was kind of automatic around game season and during game season. We saw the documentaries coming out, and we came to kind of expect those every year, and they almost became automatic for a time. And we can get to you know, a little after this, how some of those properties are maybe, maybe being rebirthed in some different forms. But these ideas had to originate from somewhere. And oftentimes the first iterations were just coming from your mind's eye and your vision and the work of the rest of the people at CrossFit Media at the time. Of those properties, of those shows, uh, documentaries, which do you look back on most fondly and which are you proudest of from a professional standpoint? Oh, that's a good question. Um, each one has its own like element of coolness. Like the first 2011 ESPN shows are like, it's really kind of cool that I went from, from just graduating school to directing, uh, I think it was like 
12, 30 minute ESPN shows. And that's really cool. I think the thing overall, the most that I'm most proud of is the movie Froning, uh, Froning the fittest man in history. Um, there was a lot of kind of uphill battles at CrossFit and, and dealing with the heads of CrossFit to try and get that thing made. Like they loved, uh, the idea of making a YouTube video, but making an actual movie, like it was something that they weren't like necessarily on board with to start with. Um, but I knew going into it that I wanted this to be respected as a film and, and not just a YouTube video. So I went in, I dug deep. And by the time we got it on iTunes, uh, like a year later, the, the next morning when it had come out and it was number three on the iTunes charts, they were, they were immediately on board. <laughs> It was all of a sudden a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we loved that from the beginning. That was that was awesome. Yeah, exactly. How many features did you did you produce and direct uh, during your time? Uh, films did you produce and direct during your time at HQ? Uh, four films. So you had Froning, The Fittest Man in History, Fittest on Earth, the 2015 movie, which wasn't ever intended to be a movie when we started it, but because of Froning's success, like I said, they came in and told me the next morning they were really stoked how while I was doing on iTunes. And the next part of that conversation was, oh yeah, the project you're working on right now, that we're going to do the same thing with that. So then we had to kind of shift course in the middle of making that movie on, uh, on what kind of audience would be taking that. Um, then uh, the next year we did Fittest on Earth, A Decade of Fitness. Super proud of that one as well. Like really cool and Katrin's story and one of my favorites of all of them. And then uh, Regina Dominant was the, the final one, which was, was really like, uh, I think it set a new standard for our, for our films there. When someone comes to you during the middle of a project and says, you know what, change what you're doing. This is now a feature length <laughs> movie that's going to go on broader streaming services. As a creator, I mean, how do you change tack on that? Because you've already filmed everything. You already have your basis of footage. It's not like you can go back in time and get new footage, new B-roll from the event, things like that. How do you deal with that? Um, for that one, we, uh, I'll be honest, we didn't really change course. The, the biggest thing we said was we, I was like, well, Hey, we've edited half this movie to music that you don't have the rights for to go on streaming services. So you have to now like, I'll do this. I'll, we'll make, we'll change course. Um, and we didn't really change much about the story. Had we gone into it, knowing it, we would have made it a little bit more, um, easy for the audience to understand what CrossFit was. Like you really had to be an under, you had to understand the sport to really appreciate that movie where Froney and I made it for an audience that didn't know what CrossFit was. Um, but I went back to them and said, you got to go get me the rights to this song from Mad Max and DJ Dylan Francis is get low. Um, and they did and they didn't, they kind of failed <laughs> because they weren't willing to pay the money to get both those songs for some of the streaming services. So if you watch it on iTunes, there's different music than when you watch it on Netflix. And, and to do that, I had to go and get new music created that matched sort of the rhythm of some of those songs. So which one, which one is the, the Heber Cannon director's cut officially with the music as oh, intended? Yeah. The one on iTunes. That's the one. If you, if you watch any other version, I cringe at it. I, I, it's just what it's, what's up there, you know? Is there anything, any, it could be projects, it could be the processes you developed, uh, it could be the shows, anything that you look back on uh, at your time at HQ and you wish you had done a little bit differently? I'm, I'm sure there's a lot, but anything that sticks out in hindsight, you're like, wow, I, w- I should have just taken a different approach to this. Oh, man. Uh, different approach. 
to things I did at CrossFit. Probably, so this sounds kind of weird, but uh, I probably, so I was let go. Um, I want to say that I, I had a great time at CrossFit, but I don't know that I gained anything and I would have been gaining anything as a professional standpoint had I stayed with CrossFit much longer. I think had I had, I had the decision and could have left with uh, the financial stability, I would have left earlier. I would have left after the Redeem and the Dominant. Um, throughout the 2019 season, 2018 season, uh, I had some amazing experiences, like went to Iceland and toured around Iceland like twice that year. I went to Sweden. I went to, um, I got a lot of cool traveling done, but uh, as a career, as a filmmaker, I wasn't really doing anything new. And I, and I think as a company, they were coming static. And I also had a big gut feeling about what was about to happen as a company. <laughs> so th- that brings me to my next question. And, and obviously, this is a, a subject that is, is sensitive to a lot of people and is something that I think is still very fresh for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so you had this gut feeling. And when the dominoes kind of started falling at HQ, and we were in the media world outside of HQ, we're hearing bits and pieces and and blips and snippets. It seems like it wasn't totally surprising to you. What was your first reaction when you knew that you were going to be let go? Um, so here, here's how the pieces kind of felt. I saw, not necessarily that I was going to be let go, but I saw that they were not so happy with the games and they were making changes internally about what this was going to look like. This was even before the 2018 games. I went to the games and I told my boss at the time, Tyson Oldroyd, I said, Hey, if we're not going to make this documentary, like I don't need to be away from my family for seven days. I don't need to go to the CrossFit games. So like if things are going to change after this, please let me know. And I don't need to go waste a week of my life. And, (laughs) and I can go shoot some B-roll at the games and I don't need to be there the whole time. Um, we got back from the 2018 games and everything said there, everyone, everything was great. Everyone was high-fiving about how well the games went off. All of us filmmakers, we were like, we were stoked about the story we were got. We, I had gotten really close with Laura Horvath throughout the weekend, which I, you know, I'd picked her out of the needle, not a needle out of the haystack, but like going into the weekend, I got really lucky that I got good footage of her because she ended up taking second. Lucas Holberg, same thing. Got back, uh, I was here actually in Utah with my family vacationing and um, heard that they had let go of half the media department. <laughs> and that was a shock. Like the amount of changes that they made was a shock. Uh, and I called the night, I think I called the night before cause I'd been hearing rumors and I said, Hey, do I need to come home tomorrow? Like I'm here with my family. I could fly back. And they said, no, you're fine. The next morning, the same guy called me back. He said, this is why I didn't bring you back is technically you were removed off of my budget. So I was under one budget and they were removed me. So basically they like to, they, they fired me and then rehired me without me knowing. So they moved me from one department to the other. And I was like, well, I'm extremely grateful that you guys would do that because they were asked to cut the budget in half. So that means the one side had to fire half, uh, cut their budget in half. And then this side had to cut more than half their budget to bring me and Marsden on onto this side, if that makes sense, the side B. And I was like, I'm extremely grateful. And then, uh, when I heard of a meeting from Greg Glassman that afternoon talking about the new direction of the company, it made it very clear from his statements that I wasn't a part of that new direction. Like the work I had been doing wasn't going to be what CrossFit was doing anymore. So the conversation went from, 
from my end, like, hey, look, I see that you guys aren't necessarily wanting to do these things. The audience really wants this. And I poured my heart and soul into this 2018 movie for the last few months. Could we try and take that and go and make it somewhere else? Um, we were having those conversations. Uh, I did a big trip around Sweden and Iceland again to get some more interviews for that movie. Um, came back and about a week later is when we were let go. <laughs> and I went into that meeting, like I went into that day kind of knowing that another round of cuts was coming. Mm-hmm. So it was surprising they cut out half. When I heard the new direction, it made sense that I wouldn't be there. Um, and I was like, I, I just thought it was a matter of time. And so I, I didn't necessarily make any big life changes at that point, but um, I was very well prepared for the the day I would be let go. What is your relationship with HQ like these days? Obviously, you were at the 2019 games gathering a lot of footage. You're extraordinarily visible in the space, as as are a lot of former CrossFit-employed media personalities. But what's your relationship with the folks left at HQ these days? Great. I have a, I have a great relationship with, with probably everyone. Like, There's a handful of people where it's kind of awkward when I see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, like I made it pretty clear when I left that I understood it was a business decision. It wasn't a personal decision. Like it was almost, it was said to me by someone in the C-suite at CrossFit that we were being, that they were making dramatic changes to CrossFit because of the success of our movies. Like you did too good. And so now we have to change course because it's, it's led CrossFit in a direction that they didn't want to go and didn't want to be known as this. So it grew us too fast and now we have to make these changes now. <laughs> so I took that as like, well, I did too good of a job. Like <laughs> if, it, if it's if it's anything, you guys didn't give me enough direction because if that was the direction you wanted to go, I could have taken it further that direction. But I went this way cause I, you know, I was kind of given a lot of creative freedom there um, and encouraged by everyone above me to do what I was doing. So, uh, you know, it, it wasn't anyone's, it, there's a few people that could have, that should be held responsible for that. But, but, um, ultimately it comes down to Greg's, Greg Glassman's company and he can do whatever he wants with it. And, um, for those of that work there, like to, to directly answer your question, it's, I have a great relationship with everyone there. I understand everything's a professional thing. And, um, because of the work that I've done there in the past, they were extremely willing to work with us on what we're doing now. And so that's why we had awesome access to the CrossFit Games, and it's why uh, we're continuing to work with CrossFit on some of our projects, but at a very big distance. Well, that's a great segue into what you're doing today, and that's the Buttery Bros. Yeah, it's, that is. How did that come about? And it seemed, from an outsider's perspective, I see these folks getting let let go from HQ. I wonder where folks are going to end up. And it seemed like there was a very quick turnaround for you and your partner, who we'll talk about in a second, to this new property, the Buttery Bros. Suddenly there were sticks of butter everywhere and this big YouTube presence and these high-energy videos. I'm sure it was a little bit more methodical than that at the beginning. What was the development of that like, and when did you two decide that, hey, this is something we want to do, and this is the direction we want to take our creativity now? Um, so one of the big things for me was because of the 2018 movie not being made, we are sure the movie would be phenomenal, but we don't want people to be talking about what the CrossFit games were. We want to talk about what the CrossFit games are. And so like maybe in the future, they'd let us make the 2018 movie as like a throwback to what the CrossFit games used to be. Um, 
but for us, we felt like we kind of let these athletes down. Like they're my friends and they were so excited every year. They're so excited for the new exposure they're going to get. And, uh, I wanted to continue to make something that, that grew their status. And so we went from October when we were let go of 2018 to December, talking to various outlets, talking to uh, distribution companies, uh, financial people um, about how do we make a 2019 movie and what would that be like? And um, one of the big things we kept coming back to was we can't have a big sponsor on the movie because then potentially it wouldn't be then Facebook might not buy it or Netflix might not buy it because it looks too much like a commercial for that one company. Um, it works for CrossFit because it was their thing, but it's not always like that. So we wanted to make it white labeled. Um, and we wanted to also be paid to be making it. And we, you know, we wanted, but we wanted to retain control. So while we were trying to figure that out, uh, we were on a shoot for a commercial with uh, a CBD oil company um, that didn't end up panning out like the commercial never ran, <laughs> but it put us in Matt Fraser's garage. And I was like, we should vlog this. And we had vlogged while we were in Dubai a little bit, um, but didn't make anything out of that a few weeks before. So we shot this little workout and we thought it was phenomenal. We thought it was tons of fun. We edited the commercial for these guys, turned it over to them. And, and I turned to Mars and I said, Hey man, uh, you have some free time this week. Why don't you knock out a vlog of that acid bath thing and see, see if people like it. Like, I think it would be funny. Um, he made, he sent me like the first two or three minutes and I was like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to do this. Uh, we went through a bunch of debates about what the name would be. I had my wife create a logo. Um, and then it worked out really well in timing that we released that first video right before we got to Wadapalooza. So like we put it up on Wednesday, started walking around the venue on Thursday and by, um, within like two hours of us posting it, it had way more views than we ever thought we would. Um, we had way more subscribers than we thought, like we thought we'd be like two or three weeks before we got to that amount of subscribers. And within a week we had 20,000 subscribers and almost 70,000 views. And since then that, that video in particular has continued to be one of our most popular. But, uh, immediately when I saw the success of that, I saw, Hey, we could probably make that a financial thing where we keep making those cause they're super fun to make and super fun to be a part of. Um, and if we are successful in doing that, it'll put us in places where we can film our documentary that allows us to be with these athletes and getting behind the scenes things with them for a big feature film later. So immediately it became like, Hey, we can, we can, this can be the vehicle that gets us to around to make this bigger project. Gotcha. So in many ways, the buttery bros is a means to an end, which is to create these bigger features. That's how it started, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I think after about five weeks, like by by April, we were like, "This is just way fun. I want to continue doing this." And um, so, by no means did I say it's a, a means to an end. I would I would say that we're we're very invested. That we have way too much fun doing it, and um, our hope is to continue to just grow that as big as we can. Like it, it's it's been the funnest, most rewarding thing that I've done since probably the Frony movie. Like every other movie has been really rewarding, but this has been like a new rewarding creative chapter. I want to talk about some specific Buttery Bros, Bros projects and what's to come okay. in a second. But the name, you said you were going back and forth on the name. Your wife designed the logo. Where did it come from? What's the background there? Okay. So anytime we'd be shooting, uh, uh, and it, it, you'll see it pretty often in filmmaking talk. 
um, from like millennial groups, uh, <laughs> a younger generation. Anytime we'd be like setting up a shot or like Marsden or I would uh, shoot, a sh- shoot, shoot something on the competition floor of the games or behind the scenes or with athletes and it's well composed and it's smooth and potentially in slow motion, we would we'd always be like, oh, that, that shot's butter. And so we loved kind of the idea of buttery. We uh, started our company, which was called All Butter Inc. And because um, we shoot all butter all the time. And then uh, from there, we, we decided <laughs> it kind of became a concern that we would be limiting our audience to just a bunch of bros if we kept the name bros. Um, but we decided like it's very specifically like Marsden and I and not necessarily a, a whole big um, you know, it's not a big audience thing. So, you know, we're, we, we, we dove in with that and have been happy with the results. What has been the most fun? And you, you bring up fun when you talk about this, you bring up the fact that this has been just a, a wild fun ride. What's been the most fun buttery bros project so far? Oh man. I mean, that's hard to top. Like, uh, I had one really fun episode, two episodes that we did actually in, in Southern Utah with where I was able to bring my family and kids was just awesome. Like getting my kids up in a helicopter and, and seeing their reactions, like that's hard to beat. Um, and then this most recent one that's about to drop, it'll be dropping probably by the time this podcast up is up, but it, it hits the, the interwebs in about 90 minutes. Uh, where we were down in Hawaii, that was last week in Hawaii was epic. Like that was a really fun, cool experience. And, um, got to see parts of the island that I would not have otherwise because of the connections we made and our history at CrossFit. And uh, yeah, just had an amazing time. Now, when you work with athletes, when you, when you visit them or you're traveling to a location with them to shoot, how do those conversations start? Is it just like, hey, we're the Buttery Bros. You know who we are. We want to take you to an exotic location and film a bunch of fitness and surfing and and boogie boarding and jet skiing, or or is it a little bit more of a, a process behind it? Um, it's basically most of the athletes that I'll just reach out to and just find out where they are and say, hey, I you know, it depends on the project. Like Miami, the event Wadapalooza called us up and said, hey, we want you to come out and make a video all these people are going to be here. You're going to be staying in a mansion um, and you'll be going jet skiing and, and on a yacht is what we were told. And we, we were like, uh, no, we probably couldn't do that. Okay, fine. Yeah, we'll come. Uh, and then other times where it's like one individual athlete, like we were here in Salt Lake with Matt Fraser and Brooke Wells. It just happened that they were going to be here. That event had called us to try and get us to come out uh, FitCon and tried to wanted us to come to Salt Lake. And so we coordinated with them and Matt Fraser's agent and just said, Hey, you guys are going to be here. Let's, let's work together. But basically with any athlete, we just have a reputation and a long-term uh, relationship with them that either if they don't know us, we, we, it takes just a quick conversation about what we're going to do and they're on board or like, Hey Matt, we're going to be here. You want to play? Yeah, let's do this. You know, like it's, it's pretty, uh, we have a good enough relationship where it's just a quick phone call to set something up. And, and then um, pitching them on whatever ideas we come up with that, that process becomes a little bit more complicated. What are your goals for the show? Uh, goals would be to get a little bit more into tourism stuff. Like I would love to be like, we're very fitness based. We're very CrossFit based. Um, I would love to continue traveling the world and bringing my kids and family and my wife and, and exploring new parts of the world with them. Um, 
as well as continuing to just have tons of fun with it. Like, like whenever it becomes stagnant or we're continuing to do the same thing. Um, I think that for me would be, uh, it wouldn't be a, a benefit of, I wouldn't be growing doing that. So as long as I'm continuing to grow creatively and having fun with that, we'll keep pushing it and, have, and, and making them. Who's a dream guest that you have uh, or a dream athlete, someone to partner with on a video uh, who you haven't done anything with before? I'll, Kevin Hart. You know? That was the quickest answer I've ever heard in one of these interviews. <laughs> Easy. Easy, man. I'd love to work with Kevin Hart on a, get him to come work out. I know he's a big fitness guy. I know like, uh, listen to his podcast or books. I can't remember where I heard it. I think it was on his book where he talked about, and I love this. Uh, he talked about for years with him and his, all his close guy, guys that travel with him, his close group of friends, they used to do like drinking challenges and some gambling involved with that. And so like, Hey, if you lose this bet, you got to go drink this amount of alcohol or whatever it was. And it was all these, these detrimental challenges that were bad for your health and bad for you as a person. Um, and then lately all those challenges have become like, Hey, if you don't do this, you got to go run a 5k with me in the morning. Um, and, and he's, he sort of changed his attitude and direction towards, um, yeah, these challenges might suck, but they're actually going to benefit you in the longer run, which is a very CrossFit mentality thing. Like we go do this workout every day and I'm like, Oh my gosh, in the middle of this workout, this is terrible. And then I finish, and I'm like, Oh, that was awesome. Let's load them up again. Let's go. It's like having, it's like having burpees as a penalty. If you're late to class. Exactly. You know, like it it sucks, but it also kind of helps you. So, uh, I love kind of that attitude and I just love his general presence. So yeah, if I didn't hit him on a show would be, it would be epic. What can we expect from the 2019 games documentary? I remember when you all announced that it was coming, it was a very kind of stoic Instagram post. It was the two buttery bros just still shot like documentary 2019 games. It's coming, just announcing to the world that you were bringing them back. What can we expect for that documentary? And do you have any sense of timeline? I mean, we're recording this podcast in September, 2019. It'll probably come out, you know, a month or so from when we record any timeline as to when we might be able to see something. Yes. So the documentary we started, funny enough, we started, we did a trailer. There's a teaser for it online that we put out last, right at the first week of the open um, called the fittest, uh, that was intended to be a series about the sanctionals. Um, after the open, the sanctional stories became kind of bland, like so many people qualified for the CrossFit games. So, uh, the, the tension at the, the sanctioned events weren't as cool as we were hoping. And so we, we shifted gears and now it's going to be, instead of a series of, of shows, it's going to be one big, long feature film. Um, the release date for that, I would say, is very similar to what you did. We had in years past, making a movie, put it on YouTube. You can do really quick. Put it in on other platforms. They have their own QC uh, things that they have to go through, quality control things, and it takes them a lot longer. So we will probably not finish our movie cut until uh, the end of December. Is what our goal is. I'm like that's our that drop dead goal is end of December. Um, and we might tease stuff along the way, but the movie then takes like two or three months when we hand it over to our distribution company to then put it onto platforms where you can watch it fully. So to answer that, probably March or April is when you'll be able to just fully enjoy all the 2019 goodness. Well, something I know I'm definitely looking forward to, and I'm sure a lot of <laughs> listeners are. Who is a strength athlete? As we kind of get to the end of this particular episode of the Bar Bend Podcast, I'd like to ask just a few more rapid fire questions. 
Hit me with them. Who is the strength athlete? Could be in CrossFit, could be a, a power lifter, weight lifter, you name it. Uh, who okay, you so most admire? Strength, strength. Strength athlete. Okay. Who? What athlete do I most yeah, admire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? Wow, that's a that's a deep one. Let me just say. Um, uh, it's. I'm going to say Matt Fraser, which sounds cliche, but I'm going to say why. Matt, I've seen grow both as an athlete and a person. And I feel like I've really opened up to him and learned who he is as a person a lot more, especially in the last 12 months since I was let go from CrossFit. Like I was let go. He saw that we were kind of vulnerable and he opened his doors wide open to us. Uh, just seeing how he treats the, his inner core of friends um, I feel like I've broken through on a new layer with him and that he's just been a phenomenal person. Uh, him and Sammy have an amazing thing going on and, uh, respect that dude a, a ton. What is your secret talent? Oh, secret talent. I play the cello. You play the cello. I play the cello. Do you still play? I mean, I like, I played the clarinet back in like marching band. You still, so you still actively play. So I don't, I don't, I, because I, only because I don't have a cello, but the viewers, won't, the listeners won't be able to see this, but I'm showing you a picture of me when I was a little kid. That's me playing the cello right there. That is, that is Heber yep. with a cello that is, that is larger than him. Yep. That, that cello ate me up. So yeah, I played the cello for, uh, regularly practicing from the age of four all the way until I was 16. And then I kind of got over it in my teenage years, but um, my oldest brother took my, not my oldest, one of my older brothers took my cello. And so I don't have one. So, uh, I got to track one down, but I, I can play the cello. Awesome. And where can folks keep up to date with, we talked about the buttery bros a lot, but where can folks keep up to date with the work you're doing with buttery bros and also just you personally, what's the best place to find you? Probably the place where I'm most active, uh, to connect with is Instagram. So you can reach out to me on at Heber Cannon or at buttery bros. Um, I manage both those accounts. I try to respond to every message I get or every comment I get. We're just stoked to be doing it. So to show that gratitude, I try to respond to everyone on those. So that's the best place to hit me. Awesome. Well, Heber, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm a huge fan of your work and have been for a while. And it's fantastic to hear. And it's great news for the fitness community that there's a lot more to come. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. 